Axis Mundi. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our amazing lineup of creators. What's up, y'all? Back again with another episode that we are re-releasing, and that today is with Paul Jupe, who's a sociologist at Denison University, talking about uh, the myth of the persecuted Christian. We are entering the war on Christmas season, and uh, a lot of people are going to be talking about uh, how certain folks are persecuted in this country. Uh, Paul really lays out just some amazing analysis about uh, who thinks they're persecuted, uh, why they think that, and uh, what they think their neighbors uh, would do to them if they could. And uh, you'll be surprised by some of the statistics. Before we get there, I just want to say uh, how much I appreciate all of our patrons. Uh, you really do help make this show happen. Uh, I want to ask you to consider, if you're an avid listener, uh, becoming a patron. Uh, every patron receives uh, an ad-free listening experience, so no more ads. Uh, we have uh, additional content, uh, a monthly newsletter, and a Discord server. So uh, if you are a supporter of this show, if you if you love what we're doing, um, help us keep doing it. Uh, we do this three times a week. It takes an enormous amount of work. Uh, I am the uh, producer, the writer, the interviewer, the scheduler, uh, and everything in between. So thanks, y'all. Hope you're having uh, a safe uh, trip home from your, the holiday. Here's my interview with Paul Jupe of Denison University. I am joined today by Paul Jupe, who is a political scientist at Denison University. Uh, Paul has done many things. He's one of the co-founders of Religion and Public with Ryan Burge, who's been a guest on our show. Uh, he is the editor of a, a Religion and Politics series at Temple University Press, has worked with 538 and other outfits, and uh, is here to join us today to talk about his piece on perceived Christian persecution. So, Paul, thanks for being here. So happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. And um, you wrote in a recent piece about um, the sort of perceived persecution of Christians. So Rick Wiles is a kind of uh, right-wing Christian conspiracy theorist, and he, he's saying that he needs to stockpile ammunition and food and water and medical supplies uh, to, f- to defend his family, home, and church against Democrats. Um, President Trump has fueled this narrative, saying that if he is reelected, Democrats will resist that and that Democrats are coming for the rights of Christians. Franklin Graham says that demonic forces are pressing for the impeachment uh, of, of, of Donald Trump. This was during the impeachment inquiry. And so um, I think we're all familiar with this narrative of Christian persecution, the war on Christmas. And you would think that that narrative would take shape when Christians are the minority, when they're living in places where there are not that many of them. When you studied uh, a huge data set, uh, a data set that includes 155,000 interviews, you found something kind of different. So could you break down what you found for us? Yeah, you bet. So I was approaching this from the, from the exact same way that you were, you were saying here that, you know, uh, going back to the old finding from Christian Smith that evangelicals are embattled but thriving, that, you know, that form of, of of persecution or that sense of persecution is really going to bind them together and, and, and uh, make them more successful. Um, but what, what in fact I found is that um, the belief that Christians are being discriminated against, which is the, the nature of the question, 
um, actually was much higher in places like Mississippi, where, of course, there are very many, a vast majority are, are Christians and most are evangelical Christians. And uh, that finding was, was the least, that there was very little discrimination in places like Vermont and Oregon, where there are very few uh, evangelicals. So it's almost the exact opposite of what you'd expect, right? People that are living amongst uh, co-religionists, um, where there are very few people in positions of power to discriminate against Christians, that's where the belief that discrimination is uh, greatest exists. It's a fascinating finding. And one hypothesis that you put forward in the piece, and this is a piece of Religion in Public and um, just came out last week, is that it's not from experience that this narrative is taking shape, right? It's not that people in Mississippi or Georgia or places where there are many Christians are, are experiencing that on a daily basis at work, at school, and coming home and, and saying, wow, it's really tough to be a Christian here. Your hypothesis is that media, leaders, pastors are kind of feeding this narrative into pulpits and living rooms, uh, and that's where people are sort of taking hold of it. Um, what leads you to that conclusion? Yeah, well, it's it's a couple of things, and the first is just the it's just the logical conclusion that in a place like Mississippi or Alabama, there really are almost nobody who's who's an out atheist, for instance, uh, that owns a local company or is the mayor or governor or what have you, um, that could you know impose their values or or start to discriminate against against Christians. It's, you know, it's a place where you get asked on as soon as you meet someone, so what you attend, right? What are you doing on Wednesday night? Uh, would you like to come to my house, right? That sort of thing. Um, so there's, there's just no structural opportunity for that kind of discrimination against Christians in, in like the South, for instance. Um, and then, you know, so you think about a place like, like Vermont, um, you know, maybe there is, but then of course we, we find almost no evidence that, uh, or no belief really that, that uh, Christians are, are discriminated against. So that's, that's the one, one side of it. The other side is um, you know, we're, we're, so we're starting to build up some, some more evidence about um, elites and the kind of communication that they, they, they give out. For instance, I have another data set of, of thousands and thousands of emails from Christian right organizations. Um, and so we're starting to mine that data just to find out how much they talk about persecution, how much of that, you know, whether it's a myth or whether it's true is, is almost beside the point. Um, but how much of that communication is, is getting out to people and of course, membership in those groups is, is much more common in places where Christians are in the majority than when they're in the minority. Um, so that's part of it. But the other is the, is the lead-in that you gave to this piece, and, and I gave an overview in that previous piece about the inverted golden rule, um, as well as this new one at Religion and Public, um, just looking at really high-profile folks. So, you know, you could always find this kind of language that, that you know, secular culture is coming for Christians you could always find that going back decades, right? And that's where the war on Christmas kind of notion came up. It was, it was really a fringe kind of argument that was almost laughable. Um, but at this point, it's really become mainstream, so much so that you have the president of the United States coming out and saying that Christians' rights are, are you know, threatened, that if you let Democrats take over, if you impeach me, um, they're going to come for you. It's going to be a civil war. Uh, Ralph Reed said not that long ago that it's going to be open season on Christians. I mean, really dramatic language from, from people that have very large audiences. Um, and so that's mostly where I'm talking about. It, it almost can't be experienced given where uh, people that 
expose, expose this view are, are living. But two, I mean, just really, this kind of language is really prevalent. Thanks for listening to this free preview of our Swag episode. In order to get access to the full episode and so much more, become a Straight White American Jesus premium subscriber by clicking the link in the show notes. It'll take you like two clicks, I promise. In addition to getting access to this episode, you'll have access to the entire Swag archive, over 550 episodes. You'll also get an extra episode every month, ad-free listening, Discord access, and so much more. All that for less than six bucks a month, and it helps us keep our flag up and continue to safeguard democracy from religious nationalism, extremism, and rising authoritarianism. Check it out. It's not hard, I promise. 